Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I started out with a question, just just general question. <laughs> and it's not really one of those easy general questions, but it just says, you know, what are you seeking in general right now in your life? I mean, like if you stopped and thought, what am I seeking in general right now in my life? Um, you may be someplace where you're driving in the car and you just need to stop and think about this. Or you may be in your house, you may be at your workplace, wherever it is. But in your, in your mind, go to, what, what am I doing at this moment? What am I thinking about? What am I planning subconsciously? You know, what am I usually focused on? Am I focused on trying to get organized? Am I drawn constantly to the computer? You know, um, am I drawn to the backyard's weeds? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely not. That is not a draw for me. But for some people it is. Am I drawn to the office or back to my bed? You know, what, what is my focus this morning? You know, where, where am I being drawn to? Um, maybe you're pensively planning how you'll accomplish all the tasks on your long list to do. That used to totally be me. I would be sitting someplace. It didn't matter where it was. And if there was any lull in any part of my brain, I would be thinking, okay, how am I going to knock this out today? I've got to knock this out and this out and this out. And, and instead of just being in the moment, being there while I'm there with who I'm with, there in the moment, I was always in another moment of, you know, thinking about what I needed from the grocery store and how I was going to do it and who was going to do what and who was going to pick up what and how I was going to cook it and on and on and on. So you, you might be imagining something in the future or even the past. You know, some people honestly, they'll uh, envision something in the future that they want to have happen or that they are in the midst of creating um, or, I mean, whether it's a building a house or whether it's having a grandchild or something in the future or something that's missing in their life that they want in the future. And there are a lot of people that actually, they dwell a lot on the past. I mean, an incredible amount of people that think about the past and think about the past and think about the past. And um, Perhaps you feel compelled to undertake a large social political cause or work on your marriage and parenting skills. You may even be thinking and praying for one of your loved ones to be healed and helped. None of these things are bad things to seek, but if you seek them above seeking God, then you're going to understand my pain. I know Matthew 6.33, I quote it. I can say it without looking at it. I try to live it. But like many of you, I fail to live it. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. His kingdom. You know, am I really concerned about his kingdom right now? His, the unsaved, his, his, his orphans, widows, his kingdom and his kingdom coming on this earth. You know, am I concerned and thinking about what is my part today in his kingdom coming on this earth. Because I 
only I'm so finite and you are so finite. We we can't really project into eternity, much less tomorrow. So when we try to figure out tomorrow, it's kind of a joke because we can't we can't even project what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. And so what what is my part in the kingdom right now? And then in his righteousness, you know, the simple ability to say, where am I to do and be like God in my life? You know, maybe there's areas in my life where I feel that maybe I I, uh, am better at doing and being like God than others. But where is it in my life? So if I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are going to be added, then I've got to stop doing all these other things and first seek him. And then most of us have learned that when we do seek him, it's like the doorbell rings and somebody happens to come by or, or the, the, the phone um, rings or he... When we really are seeking him, I'm not talking about just being interrupted, but I'm also talking about how God will interrupt our days in a good way with, this is really what I wanted you to do today. And we don't know until we have that looking back of, wow, I'm glad I sought him and not, you know, whatever was floating around in my mind. Because I don't know about you, but as a human, I can go a hundred million miles down one direction and then turn around and go, oh, no, I don't, that's not even really what I want, you know. I mean, you know, Lacey and I, we were in Colorado, and, I mean, we don't even have this kind of expendable cash whatsoever. But we started looking at um, these beautiful, in southern Colorado, um, just little lodge houses overlooking the lake. And so once you start on that, then a realtor gets involved, and then you start looking at more and more. And then we started imagining, well, maybe he and one of his business partners could, you know, buy it together. And then we started thinking more and more about how I can't even drive for longer than an hour without my back hurting, and I'd have to fly up there. And then we looked at each other, and we were like, what are we talking about? We can barely take care of the house we have. I mean, we've got two kids. We have the house we have, and... You know, honestly, our ice maker has been broken for two years. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to Lacey, but, I mean, our little refrigerator next to the ice maker. And I know those are all extra things in our lives, but, I mean, my curtain hangs on one hinge. Um, literally, it's the, these long, beautiful curtains that hang on one hinge because we keep hinging them back up, and they just, I don't know what it is. It's almost like they're crying uncle, like, it's been 20 years. We know you like us. Take us down. Take us down. And, and I feel like I'm like, you know, it, it's, it, it reminds me of the funniness of life and the things that you can't fix no matter how many times you get on a stool and fix it. But, and the things that don't matter and yet the things that do matter are for us to want to live Matthew six thirty three, his kingdom, his glory. And, you know, God, I know I've shared this with you all, but God's fulfilled this promise in my life over and over and over again. Anytime I've even been in 
a really serious situation, which, by the way, when you're in a really serious situation, it's really easier to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because half the time you don't even have anywhere to go. And so it's, it, I get in trouble when I think that I might have solutions or that I might have you know, some kind of wiggle room with someone or be able to rationalize with them or whatever. But like when I was in the hospital and told I had two weeks to live, you know, it was just me and God and total peace. And all I did was seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things were added. And um, it, it was, I, w- I don't want to say it's easier, but I will say this in my estimation from being so near death so many times with leukemia, with back surgery, with being in a coma and all the bizarre things that have happened in in my life, um, the systemic blood infection, all the things, um, I really have come to the conclusion that it is so much easier to just die and go be with God than it is to live for him on this earth. And he knows that. He knows that. It's so much easier for us to just, you know, die and not be here than to live here dead. (laughs) And we're supposed to live here dead. We're supposed to live here and say, God, you know, this is the day that you made. And and I'm going to be joyful and and glad in it, and I'm not going to worry about this pain, and I'm not going to worry about the things that I'm, my mind wants to go to, and I want to tell my mind to be quiet, and and I want to lean on you, and not be discontent, and not be, not and just not have my face on anything but you. I I had life coach call come in last week, and I'd been scheduling and rescheduling life coach sessions just because of things going on in my own life, and this person. Um, I just was really encouraged to tell this person before our appointment, make sure that in the midst of this horrible time in your life that you seek God's face and not his hand. And this person said, I don't understand. I said, well, if one of your children came in and said, I need, you know, $20 for gas, (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if it really was $20? Anyway, if I need $20 for gas and you love that child and you want to supply that child's needs and they say please and you hand them $20, they're seeking your hand. I said, but if that child comes in the room and says, I love you, I just want to sit in here with you for a while and maybe talk about what you want to talk about and maybe have you tell me whatever you want to tell me and I just want to be in the room with you that's seeking your face and I said you know so often we seek God's hand and we think we're seeking his face but we're like where are you working on this I don't see you working on this and if we seek his face we can just get that beautiful picture of of Jesus and peace and that God is not upset. He's not overwhelmed. He's not reading the newspaper like, oh, what? They just gave nuclear warheads to who? I mean, he's not up there. Like, he is not Fox News. He is not CNN. He is not Donald Trump. He is not Oprah Winfrey. Thank 
rescue God. He's not any of these people that seem so much larger than life. He created life, and he can do anything. And so for us to keep our focus on him. So I'm saying that, do you feel my unnecessary pain? Because as a Christian, we have unnecessary pain, which means that we are just not doing something we know to do. You know, honestly, I mean, as Christians, there are a lot of things we know to do, but if we don't do them, we create unnecessary pain. If, if I'm completely out of, out of peace and I need peace, I know to go to the Psalms or I know to go to prayer or whatever, but if I don't do those things, then I'm creating unnecessary pain for myself. And so, anyway... Believe me, there's some huge mountains that we're we're praying for as a family. And I understand, you know, given the examples I gave previous to this, that this is going to sound really trite and, and puny. But one of the things that I found myself seeking is we, we live far away from um, my daughter's about to graduate, but my son's school. And so I keep thinking, wait, you know, I don't need to live in the area that I live. I need to live closer to where he's going to be because the drive and him being in sports and we have, what, eight more years. And so I find a house. Lacey didn't like it. I find a house. I look at, look at over. Lacey didn't like it. I find another one. Lacey didn't like it. You know, I'm, I find myself online looking. I'm looking and looking and and it hadn't even dawned on me until this morning, I think, to ask God, do you want me to move? Do you want us to move? That's never even dawned on me. Because, I mean, why ask God when you can get on Zillow and Trulia and Google, you know, these days? You can find out all the answers yourself. So it's in rare spiritual moments of God's timing that he can show me little pictures of like a kindergartner that wants to drive a real fire truck to a fire and put out the fire and how that that's sometimes about the maturity level that I am spiritually. Like, I just want to go put out that fire. So I'm going to get in my big truck and I'm going to go and do it. And, and that, that God may have even that exciting thing in mind, but it may be that, did I ask about his timing? Did I ask about anything like that? So I found myself, you know, getting kind of frustrated and looking again at these advertisements all over the city where they specifically don't tell you specifically where they are because specifically it, 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 it would make you know where they are, and then you wouldn't look them up. And it's, oh, there's all these little tricks I've found out where, you know, it's the enclave of the view of the lane of the bluff of the whatever, and it's, like, not even really where you think it is. So, it, anyway, it's just been kind of nuts. So, I just, I, I went back to just, you know, seek me first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And it was like God's sweet peace just dripped all over me and just like soft rain just cleansed me from that anxiety and that 
unknown, just that complete unknown that you might feel. Um, and just felt so good. And so here I come with you with a question and then I have another question because God asked me this question this morning and I thought, well, if he's going to ask me, I'm going to ask you. And so he asked me, where is your heart? And, you know, biblically, I mean, really, where is your heart? And I know the biblical answer is that your heart is wherever your treasure is. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so sometimes I have to ask myself, you know, where is your heart? Because my heart might seem to be going all over the place. But in reality, it's where their, your treasure is. And some people use an example of like if your house was burning down and you could only take, you know, five or six items out or people or whatever, what would you grab? And um, gosh, I've asked that in group group times, and I don't think I ever will again because some people are like, well, first my cat, and second, I might wake up my husband, and third, I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me stuff like that. This is done. No, 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 no. But it does give you a visual of like what's really important to you, what really, really, really is important to you because where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. I also get a visual of um, my dad being an old cowboy and like at least once or twice a year he'd get his boots out and put them all in the middle of the floor in the kitchen on the satia tile and um, and he'd clean them and oil them and I just remember him sitting there on the floor and I was little and he and I remember the smell quite just a distinctive smell of oil and and he would clean his old boots and and, um, and oil them. And it was just like a visual to me that we need to get out scriptures. And we need to kind of dust them off from what we used to think about them before. And let the oil of the Holy Spirit just soak in with us, with them. And truly just sit in the middle floor if we need to. And... Let God's promises in this life really come alive again and really have our face on his face and not on his hand. And really, truly, almost like if I was physically getting those boots out to oil them, I want to physically get the Bible out and say, let me dust you off or let me dust my eyes off from what I might normally read. And and let me just read this new, let me read it again. Every time my parents go out of town, which they are right now, their alarm goes off. I'm not kidding. Every single time. And, and finally, it, 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 I mean, this has happened for like the last, and I'm not kidding about this either, eight to ten years. And finally, I told my mom, I said, it seems like it has to have like a 36 hours or something like that. Because she goes, well, when we're there, we go in and out and set the alarm and and go in and out, and in and out never happens. It only happens when we're out of town. Of course, they call us. We have to go check over there, which I don't mind doing, but this time I got called, and they said that you know there was a fire going off in two places, and 
And this has been going on for eight years, and they're out of town, so we're just waiting for the alarm to go off, you know. And um, and so, anyway, after, like, three, three and a half hours with the nicest ADT guy, um, we replaced wires on, um, first of all, their wires. He said, ma'am, I think their wires are 20 years old, at least. And I thought, 20? You're really being you know, generous here. So we replaced the wires on seven doors. We replaced two smoke alarms. Um, and he is going to come back and replace this big battery motherboard thing that they need. And he was just like, you know, none of this has been replaced or updated or, or at all, you know, reviewed. And what's happening is that, you know, give it a certain amount of time and, the computer wants to run through and see if things are working properly, and they aren't, so the alarm goes off. And um, that was kind of what I thought might be happening. And I thought, you know, it's the same thing with, with us in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> like, we have stuff wired into us that are that's 20 years old or things that we feel like we have under our belt or that our house is protected or that our heart is protected or that our minds are protected just because we know something. But if we're not actively um, enabling that thing to protect us, we're, we're, we're like a scripture or God's word or his truth, then we too can just, our alarm will go off and we'll be like, I don't know why. And usually my alarm is like just um, not really anger. Everybody's is different. Mine is just um, kind of sometimes despair. Like the alarm of despair will go off and I'll just be like, okay, you know, I have no desire to pull weeds in the backyard, but my, my bed looks really good right now. <laughs> I'll crawl back in there, you know. That would be my desire. I hurt anyway, chronic pain. That gives me an excuse. And and it doesn't, and I don't do that. Um, that's not a habitual thing for me to do, but I need to know that that's part of my alarm system that I haven't updated. Obviously, if I have despair, where where are my wirings getting crossed? What What's wrong? I need to update my system, you know, with God and say, God, what, where is my heart, really? Where, what am I thinking today? Where is my heart? You say that where my heart is, my treasure will be. Where is my treasure? I mean, for real. I know the right answers. It's like the, like I tell my 11th graders all the time. I'm like, would you stop giving me the right answers and the Jesus answers and just give me the real answers? And... And they do, and then that really shocks you. But um, just that just keeps coming up for me. Matthew six nineteen. you know, we, we spend so much time protecting our stuff, and we spend so much time taking care of our stuff. But think about it this way. I mean, we're talking about, like, things in your house and houses and things like that. And I have totally threatened to sell the silver and move to you know, a house that ran off of solar power. And if it weren't for the complete, you know, groundedness of my husband, I would be so all over the place. I don't know where. I'd probably be a missionary somewhere 
in some place doing something that who knows if God even asked me to do that. But I get so tired of, of just the whole thought of material things and protecting material things and maintaining material things. And But also think about it not just as material things, but how much do we maintain and protect our own reputation? How much effort do we put into maintaining and protecting a certain position that we've taken? How, how, how much do I time, do I, do I, an effort, do I do that or do I live dead on this earth? Because living dead goes, you know, does my reputation really matter? And whether or not I can convince you of Jesus, that's his deal, that's not mine. And, you know, whether or not I can figure out why this happened or not, that's not my deal, that's his. And I'm supposed to be dead on this earth just to do his will. And, you know, when I am, I'm really happy. I'm really joyful. I'm really at that place of, like, I'm content, just like Paul said, I'm content anywhere you put me. You know, put me wherever and I'll be content. And I've been in some pretty discontentful, uncontentful situations where I was much more content than I ever have been in a beautiful luncheon um, where I'm supposed to be totally waited upon and content. You know, it's just the opposite. The world lies. So God says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and, and I, I looked at that and I thought, here's the thing. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And not to store up, not to store up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. But how do we store up treasures in heaven? How? Because, see, I, I, I like it when there's all these big ambiguity things, but I like it so much more when someone will say, okay, but this is how. You know, and I'm not saying I have God's answer exactly. I'm just saying one of the ways that we can look and see where our treasure is, is, is where's your time spent? You know, that's just being very honest, blunt, just between you and God. Where's your time spent? What do you think about? I mean, really, what do you think about? And where's your money spent? Those are the three ways that we can find, you know, where is my treasure on, on this earth? But, how do you actually store up treasures in heaven? I mean, how do I actually do that? And, you know, the one way that we can store up treasures in heaven is to obey. Is to obey God. That stores up treasures in heaven. And just to obey Him. And one of the things that I love is that Obedience actually, well, I'll read James 4, 6. It says, he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I think sometimes I spend a lot of time trying to get the devil to flee from me. 
Um, but I forget that it says submit first to God. And that word um, sub is so significant because it just means to be under. But it also means to place yourself under. And in the Greek, it was like how the Greek soldiers would place themselves under a certain commander and stay in line with that commander. And so not forgetting also the unsearchable riches of Christ and and putting ourselves under him, knowing that he's got the right plan anyway. And do I do that? Because I, I don't know about you, but I've got to pretty much make a decision every morning because I, I can say I'm submitted to God and sneak off and not even know, you know, that I had a breach in the security system. Do you understand? I mean, nothing. No alarm, no beep, nothing. I'm completely out of the house and no one knows. Or I can get that alarm and that beep of like, you know, uh, like I told you with me, despair over too many things that are way over my, my head and way difficult to, to, uh, to deal with, especially chronic pain. And I can get that um, knowing of, well, why am I in despair because my hope is no longer in God. What is my hope in? My hope is in fixing something. My hope has been dashed. How come it's been dashed? Because I've put it in man somehow, somewhere. I've put it in somebody else doing something or somebody else following through. And I have to take it back out of that and put it in God. But submit, I love that word because, of course, sub, we all know means uh, under, like submarine. But that word submit really translates in the Greek to put yourself under. So it says, submit yourselves then to God. In other words, God's not forcing yourself, you under him. Submitting is you're putting yourself under him. And I love that picture this morning of all of us literally putting ourselves under him. Just saying, I humble myself, I put myself under you, under your will, under your plan, under your goodness, and I just submit to you. And then from there on, he gives us, of course, the grace to resist the devil, which we know can try to get us to um, start wondering and being a double-minded man, like it says in the book of James, who, you know, can't accomplish anything because they're thinking two things all the time. God will give us the grace to keep submitting to him and to resist the devil. In other words, resist. It's not just temptation. Resist the urge for your mind to wander and say, yeah, but how's God going to do this? Resist for your, your, the urge for um, still needing to come up with a plan B in case God doesn't come through. You know, resist the urge to let anything steal your peace. And so submitting to God, placing myself, placing yourself under God. And then resisting the devil, meaning, uh-uh, I'm already out of your, you're already out of my house. You're not in my house anymore. I'm in God's house, you know. You're on the outside. I'm on the inside. I'm not opening the door to you. And then... 
then that would give us such grace every day. If, but I think it's a daily thing. Here's the thing. is I don't think we can do it just one time and go, okay, I submitted my life to Jesus Christ. I think that's a great thing to say. I'm a Christian. I submitted my life to Jesus Christ. But you know what I'm going to start doing every day that I remember and that I can do and that as a human being, you know, I know I'm going to fail doing this. But I'm going to start saying, God, I submit to you today. I submit to you today. Because you know what? Not all people are worth submitting to. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to talk about your boss. I'm not trying to talk about anybody's pastor or anybody's church or anybody's corporation or who agrees with who or anybody's marriage. But God is always worth our full submission. And when he has our full submission, then he can do amazing things in our life when he doesn't it's like trying to drive a parked car you know because i'm not letting him move me i have decided my own self where i'm gonna go or if i'm not gonna go anywhere and so i hate to keep using this phrase with car and all that stuff but with god instead of the you know, my way or the highway, which is sometimes we subconsciously really do pray that way. Like, I've had it. I don't want any more of this. This is enough. I have had enough in my life. It is now my way, my way or the highway. And, and God's like, well, why is there just two ways? You know, we need to understand we have an infinite God who has better ways than your way. And that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can even hope or ask or think. And so we can submit to him. So again, where's your heart this morning? Where's your treasure? What's important to you? What do you think about? And then can you see yourself resubmitting this morning or this afternoon or tonight or whenever you're hearing this broadcast and having the peace of God just come all over you as you say, Lord, I'm under you. I know you tell me not to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, which is what we usually leave out. I'm supposed to ask you things, but I'm supposed to also thank you. Thank you, God, for the things you've already done. Thank you, God, for the things that you will do. And then really let go of them and then just say, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We need our hearts and minds guarded something ADT cannot do. Nothing can do. We depend on so many other things to feel safe. And the only way we're truly guarded is when we have Christ surrounding us and um, in us and speaking to us. And when we're letting go and when we're also choosing to be under Him. Jesus' name.
Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.